Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the NXT 2.0 review. I'm Michael Sidgwick, joined by Andy Murray today to discuss everything that went down on last night's show. But before we get into it, usual spiel. If you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure to subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, we preview and review Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0. Dynamite, Rampage, pay-per-views, premium live events. We have wrestler interviews. We hold roundtable discussions and host a roundup of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on wrestle culture. Just not this week because nobody's in. Right. <laughs> We're going to try with this one. We're going to try with this one. But um, I don't usually get work dread in the dream job. But my God, so little of the in-ring action or the storytelling on NXT 2.0 engages me in any way, shape, or form. I have no emotion for it. And in fact, I find the the, the in-ring storytelling so forgettable and mechanical that I just forget the recaps. So wish me luck. What did you think of it, mate? Yeah, it was a really uninspiring episode, wasn't it? At least in the early days, you had like really... And there was some stupid stuff on this show, don't get me wrong, but... In the early days of this show, and it was like they were experimenting with all these silly characters and stuff, there was at least stuff to talk about. It was like, hey, look at this stupid idea that's not going to take, or hey, how is this taking, and all of this. He is a farmer. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And now it's just genuinely a really boring show populated primarily by extremely green wrestlers who aren't TV ready. Um, so no, I didn't have a great time this week. There were some stu- there's some bits and pieces I like, which we'll get to, obviously, but... For the most part, um, yeah, kind of typical show. It's the, the kind of thing where you can see uh, the purpose of almost everything and you can sit there and you can go, okay, they did this to get to this and this spawned from this and this match existed because they did this last week and next week they'll do this. But uh, that's not a very exciting way to consume and analyze professional wrestling, particularly when even though the developments might be logical or make sense or whatever, uh, they are performed by uh, people who are learning their craft and are therefore uh, not the most compelling. Indeed, it's almost cruel. Like, it's almost cruel. It is, it is. We're going to kick off now because Nikita Lyons defeats Kiana James. The story of the match, basically, or the story of the feud is that Kiana James um, doesn't feel like Nikita Lyons is a good uh, advocate for women or some bollocks like that. Then they have the match, and uh, the story, if you can really call it that, is that she targets the knee, which requires um, a sell job on the part of Nikita Lyons, which I would describe generously as not good um, when she um, fires up which uh, she signifies by roaring because her last name sounds a little bit like um, a wild animal, like a lion, so she roars. Um, She attempts some kind of 
cannonball flip into the corner. She misses um, James's head by a good half a foot, and the turnbuckle <laughs> takes an absolute pounding. And um, nonetheless, she recovers, um, hits a finish. She does the pin that she gets told to do by men, and that's a lot other than a post-match angle where the feud capital M, capital C, must continue um, because she attacks her with a large purse. Mm, yeah. And that was the only money in the ring. Sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. I will uh, try not to be a dick. Well, I mean, it, okay, so what this did... If it did anything successfully beyond achieving the goal of the feud must continue, TM, was that it identified a clear area for improvement for Nikita Lyons, that being selling. Because there wasn't any here. Um, Which is, you know, she's a, a learning wrestler. She's a growing wrestler, all of that stuff. They're in this system to learn. Um but maybe don't do a leg match on television if this is something that the person on the defensive side of it is just, you know, really ineffective at. This wasn't no fighting spirit thing where she was popping up and fighting through the pain and, like, I'm not going to let it show yet because I want to show you how tough I am, but in a minute it's really going to hurt because it's going to take a toll. This was just no no selling. Um, she, she gets this leg worked over, and you know the the I think the offensive work by Kiana James to to target it was broadly fine, pretty decent. Um, she's not like Zack Saber Junior or anything, but you know uh, she did a good enough job in control of it. And Nikita Lyons just straight pops up. She did a kip up like a second later on this wonky knee that we're, we're supposed to believe has been worked over. She's running around. She's throwing herself around. I think just before the finish, she kind of slaps it a little bit and goes, oh, yeah, I'm supposed to sell this. Um, so, yeah, I mean, a, a, a growing experience, a learning experience for sure. And um, I, if people are evaluating these matches in the Performance Center and sitting there going, this is what didn't go so well. Uh, if I'm the coaches, I'm going, okay, let's drill selling for about six months because this was um, not good. It's just, again, I, I go back to the word cruel. It's like, I don't go home, right, and say, James, get your homework out. I want to know what you've been doing at school, right? My seven-year-old son, James, get your homework out, right? What I'm going to do, right, is I'm going to uh, analyze spelling for spelling, sentence structure for sentence structure, your work, and what I'm going to do is record it on a podcast for the entertainment <laughs> of the masses. Uh, right, James, um, you still have trouble getting your Ds and your Bs the right way around. Um, what you're doing with this spelling here is uh, you're going for the phonetic spelling, so you're not actually thinking about the um, the actual spelling of the word. You're just sounding it out in your head, and I can kind of read what it means, but it's nonetheless wrong. Just remember what you learned, James, right? Okay, and that's the podcast. Like, why would anyone do that? Why is this show on television? Um, we go backstage uh, where Apollo Crews is buddying up with the Creed Brothers, who even in this, like, ridiculous invisible camera backstage segment just come off as the most, like, amiable, yeah. sort of hungry to learn, just nice dudes who are baby faces, who recognises, you know, we're not arrogant, we're not going to take the easy way out. In fact, we're going to sit here, study tape, and improve from there. It's, you know, if you're going to have a rookie show, it's better to actually acknowledge the performance as rookies, unlike uh, Sanger, which we'll get to later. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, no. Um, in Saunters, Roderick Strong, the Creed's square up to him. Um, he no-showed the, la- uh, the match last week that they had, but um, Strong is genuinely insistent that like you know, the, the idea wasn't for me to show up the idea was for me um to do a test 
and prove that you could get it done without me, etc., etc., etc. And they say, like, 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 like speaking of tests, like, this is not passing the smell test. Like, I think you're being shady. Apollo Cruz agrees. Um, they, um, Cruz and then Roderick Strong have an argument, and then a match is made later tonight. Yeah. If you've got literally anything to say on this. I mean, it's just one of those mechanical segments, isn't it, where you can, everything is... Uh, you know the beats that are coming, you know what it's going to lead to, you know Roddy's going to come out and go, ha, it was an elaborate test for you, my subjects. Uh, I led you on this wild goose chase and all of this. Um, Yeah, I like the Creed Brothers a lot. I think uh, I've liked them since they first showed up, really. I think they're a lot of fun in the ring. Um, They've both got some really cool moves. Uh, like, you can tell why they're particularly high on Julius in particular. Um, I think he's just really impressive across the board. Uh, yeah, it's just an interesting form of melodrama. I think I kind of prefer it. I definitely prefer this group, actually, when they were a bit more together. I'm not terribly into the bickering storyline after, you know, they've only been around for like a year or so. So, hey, uh, if you're into the story, fair play. Um, not necessarily my kind of thing. I'm not a big melodrama guy, which appears to be the route we're going down with these guys in a big elaborate split. Uh, I mean, it, you know, it's... Yeah, okay, cool. It's a 6 out of 10 segment on a 4 out of 10 show, so I guess it's like... A 5. Yeah, if there you, you go. you split the difference. <laughs> we actually, right, if you're thinking, ah, he's a moaning bastards here, we actually praised a show-long angle on uh, Raw this week for its subtlety, for the lack of attention being called to it. It almost felt like a real thing was happening on WWE television in the background, right? Um, we can't do that this week because it was a weird show-long angle with Latch Legend, um, Idris Nofi and Malik Blade, written by a man in which a woman, Latch Legend, would not shut the hell up. And she was talking so often, so loudly, without a care about the other person involved in the conversation that it actually spanned several segments. This is written by a man. Oh, like the implication was it spanned several segments because they returned later to the show, didn't they? And she yeah. was still yeah. yakking. That's what these broads do, when they yak. And um, she's talking basically about um, a match with Alba Fire last week, and she looked great. The entrance was great. Um, she likes Malik Blade, but, you know, not really your partner. And then, you know, the other one comes in. Oh, Jesus Christ. Anyway, it all sets up something later in the show, which we'll get to as and when. Um... We then go to the rounds match. <laughs> rounds. The rounds match. Rounds. Incredibly inexplicable affair. Worked, <laughs> worked between Wesley and Trick Williams, um, which, oh my God, where to begin with this? It's kind of a hybrid boxing, kickboxing, wrestling match in which <sighs> no momentum happens. The in-ring work isn't great. Look, I love Trick Williams, and I will yet again manifest this. Put Trick Williams in the LA dojo for 18 months, yeah. right? <laughs> and then make him a fundamentally solid as hell worker and then let that personality fly in the main roster because he could really be something. If he's getting made to do nonsense like this, he will never um, be anything. The nonsense basically is a six-round match. Uh, there's 20-second breaks between the rounds, blah, 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 blah. It kind of begins this sort of boxing match and then the second one begins with the monkey flip and I'm thinking, what on earth are you actually playing at here? And at various points, because the whole playing on the Muhammad Ali um, iconography, so at various points they remove and then pick back up boxing gloves. <laughs> okay, just stay with me here. Um, and in the end, Wesley picks up a boxing glove and punches uh, 
trick Williams in the face, and that's the finish. And you know they do the whole um, the famous line from the Rumble in the Jungle, whatever it was. Right, okay. So closed fists were illegal, were illegal in this match. If in fact the boxing gloves were there, and that was the finish. Why pick up a boxing glove? Why not just do it without a boxing glove so it would inflict more damage? <laughs> why was why were there boxing gloves? What's go, why was there a monkey slip in a boxing match? Gimmicks, why were there why were there rounds in a wrestling match? Why couldn't you have just in a worked boxing match? Yeah. Yeah. So this uh, was what, like Murray, what was this man? Overly gimmick nonsense between two guys I like a lot, uh, unfortunately. Um yeah, you're dead, right? I mean they do the they messed around with rounds based stuff. In NXT UK, I guess, with the Heritage Cup and all of that stuff. But um, this was like, yeah, you can see the image they're going for, right? They they had um, they had Trick Williams repeat the Muhammad Ali pose when he was standing over Wes the other week. So it's like, hey, boxing. Um, it's just so transparently gimmicky that it's not none of it feels organic. None of it really feels natural. Um, you have this, the first round here, and uh, to, to be fair, right, Trick Williams looks like he knows how to throw a punch. He puts his body into it, and it's like, I'm not sure if he has any, like, legitimate boxing experience. Maybe he does. Um, if the if that's been mentioned as part of this, I've completely missed it, because my brain is made of Swiss cheese. Um, but yeah, he looks like he knows how to throw a punch, so it makes complete logical sense then that the guy who doesn't really know what he's doing when it comes to this striking-based stuff has him on his ass in the first round. This is not very convincing. And yeah, then the stuff with the Stuff with the glove. Look, I, I thought it was quite amusing watching Trick Williams doing the Art Jimerson gimmick with one glove on, trying to wrestle and punch at the same time. Like that's that's it's quite funny um, across the board. And uh, you know, a little cheap shot after the bell at least gave it some flavor between one of the rounds there. But um, yeah, a needless overcomplication. I think. I, why? Why? Why does everything have to be turned into a cartoon? Like, I, I get it, right? It's it's a kids' TV show, but it's. Also, a TV show that is primarily watched by 60-year-old men. And it's very horny. Yeah, exactly. As we know from the demographic information when it comes out every single week. So, it's it's the identity crisis of this thing continues. They they, they have to dress everything up as this silly, nonsensical thing. Um, And if, you know, a transition is to be expected, we're in different creative eras now. But if the purpose of this show is to prepare people for an easier transition to main roster life, I don't really think Triple H is going to book this kind of tripe. So maybe him and Shawn Michaels should get on the same page and figure something out. Because, look, I really like both of these guys. I think uh, Trick is one of the most arresting on-screen presences on the entire brand. He's he's very, very entertaining. Uh, a work in progress between the ropes, absolutely. Um, but he has uh, things that cannot be taught. Uh, and Wesley's tremendous pro wrestler. Yeah, he's great. Yeah. Um, but they, they they took away the thing that Wesley is best at, which you mentioned on the preview, uh, that being his ability to to flow and go really quick and work a really brisk pace and work all these spots and stuff uh, by having him limited by time restrictions and needing to pretend he's in a boxing match just arbitrarily at various points. It's just a, a, a failed concept. Um, and... I've had enough. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> Moving swiftly on, we get a Chase University skit, right? Where general manager, Andre Chase, it would appear, <laughs> um, it's they think there's an actual university in NXT. <laughs> and it's just the most bizarre, bizarre, bizarre thing. So anyway, Thea Hill, who's like the newest, uh, you know, sort of girl on campus, I guess, <laughs> is um, she was playing out in the quad, right? Yeah. 
at this university <laughs> that is in the wrestling company, right? And when <laughs> she was playing, um, they were just tossing the ball around on the quad on campus, you know, as the co-eds do. And uh, unfortunately for Ariana Gray, she got hit in the face with it. And that's a, a big shame for her because as a vapid women's wrestler in NXT, um, she was a former beauty queen pageant and she cannot sanction the idea of having a black eye on her face because it takes away her primary asset, yeah. which is her looks, of course. You're a um, professional fighter. It's like, if you're worried about that, right, be Vega from Street Fighter with a mask. Yes. Right? That was his gimmick. He was vain. You don't want to get hit in the face, so wore a metal mask thing. Do that. That might hurt if someone tried to forearm you, admittedly, but, you know. It's a good it's a good defensive weapon as yeah. well. Also, Vega was, like, the best street fighter. so character. cool. I mean, uh, I liked E-Honda because if you could, like, if you were just... Don't like, be an E-Honda car. Were you an E-Honda car? I was an E-Honda, uh. whatever. Uh, yeah, yeah, man. Like, you could just spam the, the slap. The, you may just hide in the corner. Yeah, that's it. And you just go, ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-ba, and no one can touch you. Like, it's it, the game, you play to win, baby. You play to win. I, I was so boring. I liked Ryu. Oh, okay. All Just right. Just like, an iconic look. Yeah, it's classic. And I guess if you can master Ryu, you've probably mastered the game, right? Yeah. Because it's simple, effective, Hadouken, all of that. Yeah, but... Dragon Up becomes my favorite one. Yeah. Who's your least... Pardon me. To play with or to fight against? <coughs> Ooh. Uh, both. Um, Eddie Honda, because... Or Blanca because people did the whole... The shock. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I really didn't like playing with Dalsim. No, no. Dalsim always seemed like he should be easy mode. Um, but for some reason, I always... Because you can just pop people with the stretch Armstrong arms. Uh, I always had trouble timing it and stuff as well. Yeah, I didn't yeah, like playing with him. And Bison was just rock as well. Yeah, Bison was Bison was so prick. rock. This big prick at the end. What, what great name. I don't know what's about M. Bison. M. Bison. It just rules. It's just bison in general. It's a massive cow, isn't it? So. Yeah. What's your favourite massive cow? <laughs> what the... Uh, uh, bison. Right, <laughs> so Ariana Gray says, look, I'm going to uh, sue you for all of this. And Chase is like, no, you're not. You can have a match. Like, what the fuck? What's going on? Anyway, so I'll have a match for later. Um, Giovanni Vinci in an in-ring segment championship uh, challenges... Uh, a champion, Carmelo Hayes at NXT Heatwave. That match should be really, really good. And the verbiage was just a little bit yeah, back and forth boilerplate. Yeah, yeah. His, his promo to set this up was just nothing. He was just he just kind of went there and went, yeah, that happened last week, but I'm Carmelo Hayes. <laughs> and then out come uh, Vinci. Um, did you see the Nathan Fraser photobomb from last week? I did not. I was oh, on holiday it was, and no one talks about NXT on my TL. It was so good, actually. Uh, to, so to set the match up last week, the North American title, they did like an open challenge gimmick and out comes Giovanni Vinci. And obviously he does the pause on his entrance with the camera and it's like, it's fun, it's cool, it's whatever. Well, as he's doing that, out comes Nathan Fraser bounding out from the back to steal the shot. And they catch the shot of the freeze just as he's like giving this big goofy grin and he races past him and steals the shot. So it was like... A really fun production trick. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, we, we know the match was going to be good anyway, but the sequ- the little quick sequence here they had uh, just reinforced that. So, yeah, should be some good wrestling on this show uh, when that goes down at Heat Wave. Yeah. The ECW I'm... pay-per-view that, of course, uh, Adam Wilborn invented a few years ago. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> and on the subject of Heat Wave, we get a, a video package to hype it up, the match between J.D. McDonough and Bron Breaker. I tell you what, J.D. McDonough needs to be really careful standing on that little bit of wood overhanging the swamp you're in florida brother yeah i know you know what's in florida flatties the flatty the flatty could get him yeah exactly you don't if you're jd mcdonough i don't care what you know about soft bone structures right you go in there 
and you mess with the flatty, you get you get in, you're gonna be flat lunch. You're gonna be a flat white. You're gonna be use coffee. How about that? I'm gonna drink I, I you. Just, I just don't know anymore. What I do know is that this was kind of less. They've got this ability, right? And I, I would call it cheating, actually, <laughs> where they used to do this with, like, the prime targets. This is kind of a prime target adjacent hype video where they told the story of the characters and the feud and how McDonough um, is going to administer loads of pain to Bron Breaker and the, and the idea is can uh, Breaker withstand it. Um, it's genuinely like a, a pro wrestling story just made into American Psycho and made extremely literal, but, you know, us idiots have to understand it that way. They are quite good at taking really stupid or incredibly generic material and editing it in video form in such a way that it doesn't look quite as bad. Mm. It's a weird thing to be good at. I don't think it's a necessarily ideal thing to be good at, but they're nonetheless good at it. Yeah, I think this did uh, a good job at least of parsing away rubbish about, I'm going to break your fingers with the hammer and all it, it, it moved us sufficiently far from the most cringeworthy elements of this Patrick Bateman uh, tribute act um and it, uh, established this basic story a little bit more how much pain can you take I like pain I write this in my blood uh, I I guess I kind of like the the show the conflicting training styles bronze doing caveman stuff which he should be JD McDonald's doing yoga poses in a swamp. Yeah, there you go. There you w- go. Watch out for the flatties, however. Uh, maybe not if it's him. Um, we get the match <laughs> between Ariana Grace and Thea Hale. Um, there's some possum stuff early where Grace is like saying that, no, my eye's really actually injured. And then, you know, she's uh, she's not in fact injured. We get a fire up spot with Thea Hale doing some not particularly great ground and pound. But what mm. I will say about Thea Hale and her vignettes and everything so far, she radiates a sense of enthusiasm that is infectious even to someone like me who's like, you know, got quite a dark sense of humor and couldn't give a toss <laughs> about most things. Um, but regardless, the story here is that Thea Hale actually loses a debut match. And look, if I'm being nice and I'm situating myself here as someone who actually cares about this kind of thing when I don't in this particular show is they can have some fun with the idea of, oh, she's like sort of failing college because she's not winning the matches. And then like, uh, will she get a grade point average open? You know, she really has to cram, and that's a win, and then they can do a valedictorian celebration, and I'm faking this mm-hmm. so repulsively. <laughs> but that, I think, is the direction they're going to go in. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, she does a good job of playing this kind of overawed, in over her head, but at the same time, extremely enthusiastic person. So it's kind of perfect for this role. Does have some personality that comes off well backstage and in the match. I mean, the match was uh, just two green wrestlers uh, doing green wrestler stuff. Uh, particularly showed in yeah, the ground and pound, which was like, it was kind of old school WWE women's wrestling and not in the good way and uh, grab the hair and hit the deck and do some slaps and stuff. And then there was like a really artificial, shall we say, struggle to grab the arm for a submission. Um, the is a consequence of these two not being particularly experienced. That's why this happens. Um, 
yeah, I think they've probably got something, at least in Thea Hale, that can uh, mean she can be a good TV character. She already is. So. Yeah, she's already good in the vignettes and stuff. Maybe the ring work will catch up at some point if she goes to the LA Dojo. We got backstage to Solo Sokoa. The We're P- sending the whole roster yeah, no, to work with Shibata. I don't think we'll hit the PC, to be perfectly honest. <laughs> uh, but you know what? You tell you what, like, I'm going to make a tip myself down because according to my notes, the next segment on the show was Solo Sokoa, who has given a decent account of himself in yes. ring. Um, I have not watched this for my sins, right? But Apparently, the match with Von Wagner was like a shocking minor triumph. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was good. Um, I think Solo Sequoia, um, I mean, this guy, like, not to be a big gatekeeper or whatever, but this guy was a good wrestler before he signed with WWE. You know, he's quite young. I think he's 29. Um, but he'd been oh, around. I had no idea about this. Yeah, like, he, he'd been around the block a few times. Sefa Fatu was his ring name. Like, I think he primarily worked in, like, the Las Vegas area, but I've definitely seen him for FSW. I've definitely seen him do a GCW spot at some point. So he was, like, quite. Quite so what, a decent... So what you're saying is that isn't even a rule-proving exception right. for how bad the performance center is, other than Braun Breaker. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And even then, they don't really know how to book Braun Breaker, um, their <laughs> yeah, own prospect. So uh, but yeah, no, like, he was quite an accomplished guy. Like, you know, not not necessarily, like, this must-see indie standout, but you, you'd watch him and you'd go, okay, this guy's, like, he's so solid, so fundamentally decent. Um, and then, obviously, in WWE, he has the added fam- family appeal because he's the Usos' brother and he's Rikishi's son. He's part of that legendary wrestling dynasty. Yeah, yeah. and the match last week was pretty decent. Um, Von Wagner, bless him, still looks absolutely lost when a microphone is in his face. Uh, endearingly so, I would argue. Uh, we've all had our fun with Von Wagner in this office previously, and I'm sure on these podcasts as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, A couple of 12 inch curls, all that stuff. But uh, yeah, no, it was a triumph. It was, it was, it was a, a good match that I didn't expect because uh, Von Wagner hasn't really showed that so far. But yeah, his best match so far, and Solo Sokoa continues to look good. Ah, well, in the aftermath of it, it's uh, reported that he's out between four to six weeks with a sprained PCL. Is this a shoot? PCL. Well, I don't know. Um Maybe. <laughs> I think it was on the front page of The Observer that it was actually legit. It was. Uh, so get well soon, I guess, because he's one of the better wrestlers on the brand. Um, and now they're, they're, they're you bring him on TV and explain why he's going to be gone for a while. Perfect. So yeah, he has a friendly conversation with Cameron Grimes who comes in and Sakoa's like, you know, I want to get the North American title. That's in my sights when I recover from the injury. And I want to win it on behalf of wrestlers like me and you. The implication being we do it the fair and honorable way. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. And uh, Cameron Grimes just looks a little bit, ah, okay. He's clearly, someone's in his head. Yeah. And I think they're not paying rent. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> get the highlight of the show next. And uh, we had a conversation about this earlier, Murray. It was uh, <laughs> Apollo Crews um, defeating Roderick Strong, stemming from the events earlier in the night. Good back and forth, like really impactful match at its best. Um, it's not blow away great, but it absolutely humiliates virtually everything else on this show um, by like a, like a real distance as well. Um, some grappling early. When the bombs come back, it's not being funny. It's virtually every single NXT three and a half star match you've ever seen. If I want to be really reductive about it, and the exact kind of selling you were talking about earlier in the show factors into the finish, where um, Roderick Strong gets destroyed and then he comes back with a bit of fire and then realizes actually, no, that actually really, really hurt. Um, and then he gets put away um, at the finish and Cruz wins. And that will, again, you would expect. Um, lower strong in the estimation of the creeds going forward as part of the storyline. Yeah, daddy failed. Um, yeah, good match. Very good match. Comfortably the best thing on the show, obviously, as you would expect from the participants. Um, the, 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 the cloud to the silver lining of this existing, I've got that the wrong way around. It, however, is that, yeah, by comparison, it's like, oh, yeah, the rest of this is kind of amateur work on this broadcast when you compare it to this. Um, but you'd expect that Strong's a good opponent for Cruz. Cruz, for me, even when he was Yuha Nation and doing Dragon Gate spots and stuff, he was kind of a spot guy, uh, capable of incredible feats. Yeah. But, you know, he's not going to tell this, like, psych- psychologically rich story between the ropes or anything like that. So uh, Strong's a really good guy to put him against because Strong is so good at laying out a match and, like, he's going to do it in a way that ensures that the more propulsive moments that come from Cruz, like, are big and impactful, which was certainly the case here towards the end after he'd been controlled for extended periods. He comes to life. He's a super impressive guy, Apollo Cruz always has been. Um, yeah, a good, really just a good professional TV match. Um not necessarily anything like revolutionary in terms of layout, as you've as you've touched upon. Um, and a good example of, yeah, that style of selling. I think um, a lot of times, even today, a lot of people wrongly interpret this kind of thing as no selling or whatever. Or like, oh, why is he not doing this and that? No, it's just a different, it's a different kind. It's a different variety. Roderick Strong's a very smart guy and uh, he succumbed to it in the end. Yeah, and he created some real drama in the process. Which down the is, stretch. Down the stretch. Uh, which is the entire point. Um, just to tie something that happens later into this, because it's all along similar lines. And the Creed brothers are again backstage studying film. Strong barges in. Um, and he's demanding to know why they didn't second him to the ring. And that's what he blames the defeat on. And it's all sort of trending in one direction. Um, one final accord was next. And just as you called it, Murray, it was a proper drone shot cinematic meeting. And oh my God, this was so bad. <laughs> uh, so it kind of happens like in front of a water fountain um, and, a, like, and a street, like a nightscape scene. <gasps> and yeah, with like, well, they're called Bounds, Browns, like the Blade Runner Browns, or whatever they are. Are they, uh, what's he called? Nolan. Like all that kind of. Big Chris. Yeah, Jesus Christ, so played out <gasps> at this point. And they go to sit down. Do they sit down on a park bench? Do they sit down on something <laughs> that naturally exists in that environment? No, there's like a wrestling table with a black sort of uh, velvety cloak thing on it. Who put that there? 
Did Tony D put that there to make it sort of like polite? Like, oh, go on. Like, you don't want to stand up. Like, it's it's late. I'm tired. Let's just sit down. I've brought her a nice table. It's ridiculous. It's so stupid. And the conversation isn't really particularly uh, good. It's really tedious. Um, they basically have this conversation, right? And it leads up to um, a match of Heat Wave next week. The stipulations for which are if Santos Escobar loses, he's gone from NXT and he's unable to take the Legados with him, who will be um, stationed with the family um, going forward. So I guess there's an interesting um, outcome with main roster implications. Um, so that's something. But like the, the, the line readings were terrible. It was all very boring. I just couldn't get my head around the fact, like, of this sort of thing is quite literally untenable. The storytelling is untenable. I've been using that word throughout this entire saga of a feud, which is somehow worse and more tedious than Frankie Dion going from Barca to Man United, which I read about on Transfer Center every single day. <laughs> it's just people know selling the stipulation. Yeah. Right, okay, I don't want to be in the yeah. family. Well, why did he agree to a match? That involves you being stipulated to enter the mafia if you were to lose it. Oh, I'm just not going to be in it. All right, okay, we'll have a match. Then if you don't want to be in it, well, why did he do the first match? If you do terrible Sopranos in wrestling, not only is it not wrestling and it's not Sopranos, but it doesn't really work as a stipulation because what are you going to do? Just yeah. be in it. Yeah. It's, I, it's so stupid, and this thing is so stupid, and I can't wait for it to be over. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, it's a lot of people defend this stuff by going, "Oh, it's a TV show; it's not wrestling, and all of this stuff." Blah blah blah. It's sports entertainment, and it's like, okay, sure. Um, if it was good, if it was well acted, if it was well plotted, if it was well themed, it would still, for me, violate you know everything you've just discussed, but at least you could give it a bit of a pass and go, all right, well, I mean, good acting, all of this, but nah, it's like, this is a national television show, right? And this is a Z-tier soprano scene. Any rank amateur you pull off the street could probably do the same job that these fellas did in this segment. And yeah, it's got absolutely nothing to do with wrestling. Like, what... What is this? Like, why do we have, in in 2022, why do we still have stipulations where if I pin you, your mates are my mates now, and they're not your mates anymore? It's like, not nah, like, if, if that was a thing, I'm, uh, say you beat Michael Hamflit for the custody of me, uh, I might just go, nah, I'm just going to go go around Hamflit's for a cup of tea. Like, you know, I can, yeah. just do, I can do what I want. I'm an adult. Like, the, the, the people in Legado are adults. Make your own decisions. Um, yeah, this has nothing to do with wrestling. It's patently absurd. Uh, I, I, I'm vaguely amused by the Tony D'Angelo character still. What, it's, it's endearingly bad sometimes. Uh, in situations like this, it's just not... It's I like I like pro wrestling in my wrestling shows, and uh, this has nothing to do with wrestling. No, we've had various spirited philosophical debates about what we each consider to be professional wrestling um, in this office. Always fascinating. I this isn't it, <laughs> top judge. Yeah. This is absolutely not it. I think it can be meta. I think it can be niche. I certainly sometimes think it can actually sometimes be melodramatic. Sure, but it can't. It, this isn't it. Like, yeah. This is not wrestling, and it's not Sopranos. Is it? So, I'll, like, I'll get to illustrate the point I led with, right? Um, I don't think 
anyone's interested in listening to me and you debating our contrasting opinions on this segment, but just to illustrate it, right? Le Dinner Debonair, right? I didn't like that. I didn't think it was pro wrestling. I thought it was... Uh, it's just impossible for me to invest in the idea that these guys are going to have this staged thing that they've rehearsed uh, and all of that. So I think me, you, and Hamlet we differ on this, but that's fine. Um, but I can give it a degree of credit because it was exceptionally well performed. Like MGF has the voice of an angel, as we know from his rendition of You Are My Sunshine uh, back in the day. Chris Jericho is a tremendous showman, right? So that had an elegance to the performance and the execution that when you're watching it, even if you're like me, you can go, okay, I don't really think this should exist, but my God, did they knock it out of the park. This is the polar opposite. So I think that's an interesting comparison point for anyone who might be weighing up my argument there. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, basically, there are no rules, just do it good. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> just be good. Just be good. It's not hard to be good. Yeah, come God on, guys. Sake. Why are you gooder? <laughs> and uh, uh, in, this in the first of a double-barrel blast of baby faces being bad, oh, um, yeah. Wendy Chu channels Randy Orton. Why would you rip off something <laughs> terrible? I just don't get it. Like, wrestling is the most plagiarism-happy industry probably ever yeah. like chris jericho will go on his podcast and say oh, yeah i ripped it off from this my entrance oh it's michael jackson when i saw him in paris or this 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 i plagiarized this on anderson and i hate this but his most famous promo an absolute rip off of the untouchables yeah it's not his best promo yeah. by half and i resent the fact that he kind of ripped it off a little bit when he's done so many more like oh, so you put one of those in the hospital you put one of those in the morgue mate you're just ripping off a film yeah. like plagiarism is rife in professional yeah. wrestling but if you rip off something good that's a halfway decent idea why rip off the angle when Randy Orton dresses like a janitor puts on night vision goggles interrupts a poker game played between legends and beats them all up yeah it yeah. was so cartoonish and so bad and Wendy Chu does literally the exact same thing as a baby face to an absolutely unawares Tiffany Stratton yeah, I, Vince McMahon must be writing these uh, babyface uh, things this week. Obviously, he's not. I'm joking. It's but big Pritch, isn't it? Yeah, Big Pritch. Juicy Brucey is on the Lucy, and there is not anyone who can stop him, it seems. I, I like Wendy too better when she's being silly. I like her when she's funny, not when she's vengeful. Yeah, I don't really like her at all. Oh. Um, pretty deadly defeated Millie <laughs> Blade and Idris Sanofi. Um, Idris Sanofi, sorry, in the match that stemmed from the... Um, Really quite uh, misogynistic, quite frankly. Yep. Show long angle with um, Lash Legend. It is a match. Brooks and uh, sorry, Josh Briggs and Brooks Jensen come down at ringside, and like dickheads, they just interfere when there's no real reason for them to do it. It backfires, allowing Pretty Deadly to win um, with uh, spilt milk. I believe their finish is called. Why are babyfaces in WWE such dickheads? Yeah. Yeah, the Brooks and Jensen came down for no other reason beyond other kind of feuding with Brady Deadly because it came uh, during like a after the double team spot where they go through the ropes and punch one guy in the face and it's like it's a tag team match that stuff happens in every beat so it'd be a bit more believable if maybe they were being like really underhand and like oh they've they've tied him up on the outside or whatever uh, yeah it was just just and then the, the silly finish I, I will say the. Idris, Idris Elbow is an objectively brilliant name for a finisher. Yes. Uh, for Stringer Bell reasons, obviously. Um, crap finish. Uh, two pretty decent teams in Ophie and Blade are big favourites in the office. Uh, loads of fun. Pretty deadly, at least have a very strong grasp of who they are and know how to project that and know how to impart that on their work. Uh, they have good personality that comes through. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, just bad booking. There was an over-the-top rope dive here, which was majestic, I will point out, and the catch itself as well from the blonde deadly, whose name I'm not that's, really... That's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty. pretty. The other one's deadly. Pretty's catch. Yeah, it's like, oh my God, it was. I couldn't believe this took yeah. place um, on an NXT TV show. It was so crisp, and it didn't look like a catch. It just was one of those great catches, but that was the absolute best thing about this. Um, just in case you're interested as well, stemming again from that angle, Lash Legend attacked Fallon Henley, and she's now aligned with Pretty Deadly, it would seem. Yep. Maybe on a temporary basis. The next segment is another woefully stupid thing. Usual <laughs> caveat applies. Joe Gacy used to be pretty damn good, and he will presumably at some point in his career be pretty damn good again. He is, however, locked in this absolutely terrible gimmick alongside the schism, um, and this is another terrible angle involving it, um, in which they sort of um, sidle up to Cameron Grimm's... Uh, Cameron Grimm's? Cameron, Cameron Grimm's. Grimm's. Like, he he was, was grim on this show, yeah, he eh? he grim, and he'd be grim if he joins the stable. And they catch up to Cameron Grimm's backstage, do Joe Gacy and the schism, right? And this annoys me so much. They say, where, where are you going, Cameron? And Cameron, he's like, his confidence is shaking. He's nowhere near the same animated, sort of incorrigible guy he once was. He just goes, oh, I'm just going home. And uh, they say... Who are you going home to? Right. As we've established, Cameron Grimes, um, his father died yes. a few years ago. I yes. think this was an allusion to that, right? Mm-hmm. I'm not shaming and any grown-up who still lives with their parents. The economic situation in most countries is horrific and governed by arseholes who shouldn't in a just world be in charge. I'm absolutely in no way, shape, or form shaming people who are adults who still live at home, right? Cameron Grimes played a billionaire last year. Literally this time last year, he was playing a billionaire, right? How am I to believe that I've actually seen his property on this TV show? I don't think he ever lost his fortune. He didn't put it up in a fight yeah, or anything like that. No. So I still think the implication is he's got the um, the dog coin or whatever it was money. Would he still be living at home? Or is he just like a loser in love? We, which he kind of was as well earlier this year or last. Yeah. yeah. Like, if, if what are they saying? I, just, can we, uh, that's good. Mm. Yeah, move on. Okay. <laughs> Nikita Lyons um, gives a pep talk to Zoe Stark ahead of the main event with Cora Jade. Um, we then cut to Mackenzie Mitchell interviewing Apollo Crews. This sets up a interruption with Grace and Waller. Um, they... It's probably going to end up in a fight at some point. In fact, the challenge is issue, but Waller still um, have, walks away. They'll have a match, and it'll probably be pretty good. Yep, that's yeah. my that's my hot take on this one. We're going to go to the main event. Thank oh, come God. On. Right. Hold on, hold on. Are we not going to cover the all-time great segment of JC Jane buying Ramon's records? Oh <laughs> my God! Yes, I completely forgot about this. How could it? you? How could you? I'm not sure. I've got it written down just before the main event, but I forgot to write a lot of stuff down. So. Um, Anyway, so we get a further glimpse into the interior lives of Toxic Attraction where they're talking about how the belts used to feel like a part of them and they're kind of adrift spiritually without them. Spirit adrift, um, Yeah, and then they are caught going (laughs) caught. They are captured. um, Gigi Dillon's in a bar. Yep. And JC Jane's in a record shop. Getting some vinyl. Getting some vinyl. Just like uh, my hipster twat mate, Andy Murray here. Hello. And, uh, <laughs> she's talking about rock music and what it means to be a fan of rock music. And it means you're not part of any dumb system and you're a rebel and 
I think I'm making those things up, but she said something yeah, along yeah, those lines. Yeah, it was like, well, it doesn't give a damn and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it doesn't give a, rock music doesn't yeah. give a damn, just like, I don't give a damn. And Gigi Dolin smashes a glass and she says, we are not a part of your society or something like that. We are not that. your kind. We are not your kind, <laughs> exactly. Black and gold back. So aren't these like qualities of like independence and defiance and are they turning baby face? But yeah, I mean, or they're just trying to make them look cool. K E W L. Wonder if maybe it's to provide a degree of separation, perhaps from Mandy Rose. Maybe they're going to do something different with this group as a whole. Um, I will say, like, I appreciate them at least like attempting to give them something a bit different beyond because this group has always been uh, quite transparent in the reasons for why it's been pushed and and all of that stuff. Uh, it's meant to be a throwback to a certain era, and uh, it's good to see them at least giving them uh, something a little bit different that you know in a very NXT 2.0 kind of cartoon lens. Absolutely. So the main event is next, and Zoe Stark defeats Cora Jade in a match I would describe as an over-delivery. Yeah, there were certain moments um, where I really was impressed by Stark in particular, but um, Cora Jade as well, that you can sort of mark her sense of improvement. There's one spot where she's got Zoe Stark draped in the ropes, right? And my absolute pet peeve in wrestling is intent. If you are working a spot, the... Um, the goal of which is to miss and swing the momentum back forward, at least pretend you're going to hit it. Like, and she actually throws herself on the ropes, and the timing on Stark to avoid it was, like, very acute. It really felt like if she hadn't got away just in the nick of time, like, her neck would have been wrong on those ropes. So that was really, really good indeed. The um, force she hit the ropes, Cora hit the ropes with, and then rebounded back was really quite an impressive visual. Yeah, absolutely. I thought it was a really good spot. Uh, we've got a German suplex as well. Um, she took off that German suplex was wild it was like she was trying to flip and land on her feet or something wasn't it I think it was one of those where the idea was oh, I'm just going to miss my head but if you kind of blink in that moment it'll yeah. look like and I think they timed it really quite yeah, well yeah, it, didn't it looked, get the, looked nasty yeah nasty yeah. but not injurious in any sort of way injurious Ooh, and then the nice. story of the match right is uh, really annoying WWE has this tendency with their baby faces. And I do not want to hate Roxanne Perez. I absolutely do not want to be cynical and go, oh, God, Roxanne Perez is another bad baby face in WWE because she's so goddamn good. But the way that they build these matches, the story of the match basically is that Zoe Stark wins because Roxanne Perez comes out, kendo stick in hand, um, to distract. Mm-hmm. Like... Would you ever see anyone good who's a baby face in a good promotion <laughs> do this? No, you wouldn't. There's a certain... I'm going to try and coin something here, right? There's a certain... Nah, 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 quality to the WWE babyface, <laughs> where instead of just fronting up and squaring up to someone or fighting back against someone or evening the odds, they come out and do taunting, like, I'm going to get you back, nah, 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 nah. And even though they plot it in such a way, like, yes, it isn't retribution for something they've done, they still conspire somehow to make them not feel like baby faces out for vengeance, mm. it just comes off as, nah, 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 I'm going to cost you this match. Yeah. And it just really yeah. pisses me off, quite frankly, boils my piss. But in the end, um, Mandy Rose comes out, um, tries to jump Stark, fails. Stark beats it down, holds the title aloft, meant to signify that she is probably going to take the title, or at least she thinks she's going to do that ahead of their match. Um, but I generally thought this was quite good, other than the nah, 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 baby faces are all dickheads. Yeah, the bookings, the bookings obviously whack. Um, I don't know why Zoe Stark should need a distraction to win here. Um, she's not winning the title as well. Right, exactly. Like, I, I, why can't she just win? And look, if you don't want to give Cora Jade a clean defeat, well, don't book this match. It's quite simple. Um, the protection argument is is 
untenable to to borrow your your uh, word of the day. <laughs> I love untenable. It's a good word. Uh, it, it, it's twenty twenty two. Come on, we've seen these things a thousand times before. Uh, it doesn't work. And yeah, Zoe looks like fortuitous. She looks like she, uh, just a lucky person rather than a skilled person. And Roxanne Perez looks like a bit of an asshole for all this. And it's just like. I like both of these people. Why are you putting them in that light, my friends? But, um, yeah, the match was pretty decent. It was. Uh, I think Cora Jade is uh, actually a lot more convincing as a heel than a baby face. It's weird, uh, that, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It is. Um, I mean, perhaps it's a consequence of the way they book and lay their matches out. Or or maybe she's just... Because uh, she was always this, like, fiery underdog type thing. Maybe she's just not naturally that. I don't know. Um, but she she's, feels a lot more comfortable. She looks a lot more assured. Uh, she protect, projects a lot more personality as well in this role. I agree. It's one of those where when I saw clearly for a few months that they were turning a heel, I thought, oh, that's a bad idea because she's got a certain charm and naivety and likability. That's just all these babyface characteristics. And I thought, are you even stupider than I thought for turning a heel? But apparently not. They've obviously seen something in it, yeah. in this rule. And honestly, to their credit, it's all absolutely working out. But let us know your thoughts on the Cora J turn, everything else on this show. Have we been way too harsh on it? You can let us know underneath the Twitter link to this podcast at WhatCultureWWE. Whilst you're there, you can follow Andy Murray at... At Andy H. Murray. The H stands for Who but it do There we go. You can follow me at M. Cedric. Once again, you can follow us all at Walk Culture WWE. Coming up later today, we will preview Quake by the Lake, the latest AEW Dynamite special. And I've worked myself into a seismic shoot, brother, because I'm thinking something major is going down. We are going to um, craft certain theories about what that might be later on this mm. afternoon. So please stick around your podcast the uh, feeds. Sorry, easy for me to say um, for that. The um, fiend. And in the meantime, yeah, no, no, you like the fiend. Um, he's arriving. <laughs> he's he's going to fiend on dynamite tonight, isn't he? Better not, but we'll discuss it because yeah. the bullet <laughs> point will get some goddamn traction. We'll just instantly dismiss it out of hand and move on to the actual viable things that might scan as content the, production. The big thing that Tony Khan is teasing but not teasing. Um, anyway, thanks for joining us as always. Sorry we were a bit miserable, but it's what this show does. See you later. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.